Hawaii, then Japan, we're creating our own terror attacks, so to speak. Kim Jong-un doesn't have to do anything. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. What am I talking about? We're creating our own terror attacks? Well, that's what you would think if you were in Hawaii or Japan and you got an alert saying uh, a missile is coming from North Korea, take cover. That's what's been happening. Um, before I, I talk about Hawaii, I want to mention something about, um, about Japan uh, because that was sort of a, that happened three days later, just this past week as well. And, um, you know, it made me think about how Kim Jong-un can save his missiles because he's creating terror in these places who send out, where they send out the wrong messages and create terror without his even have to, having to waste a missile or having to uh, have one that actually would bring a nuclear warhead to uh, Hawaii or Japan, for example. Now, um, usually I don't talk about Kim Jong-un and, and uh, North Korea in terms of being terrorists. They're not radical Islamist terrorists. However, they do create terror, and um, it is based on political reasons. So, um, so technically they are terrorists, plus in my book, my children's book um, about terrorism for kids called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. I describe terrorists as bullies on the playground. And certainly Kim Jong-un fits that description as well. So um, before I go to Hawaii and then I'll get into the details of Japan too, um, I want to tell you something that happened on Twitter. Uh, I, you know, when the false alert came out in Japan, I tweeted, why wasn't Japan more careful after false alarm mistake in Hawaii? This mistake is traumatizing. So governments can't just say, oops, button pushers are incompetent, if not malevolent, should be fired. Is it paranoia to think Kim Jong-un is behind it? Hmm. And yes, that hmm was in the tweet. <laughs> Soon after um, I uh, tweeted this, I got a notification that China News was following me. And soon after that, I got a notification that um, North Korean News was following me. Well, that was a little chilling. <laughs> but then later in the day, I looked again, and North Korea News was not following me anymore. <laughs> I don't know, they got bored, or they didn't like some of the things I had previously tweeted about Kim, Kim Jong-un. I had written a, an article uh, a few years ago for... Um, uh, Newsmax that talked about Kim Jong-un um, and his ego and so on. And so perhaps they, I, I, had, I had tweeted that not that long ago uh, because it related to something that was going on with, with North Korea. So perhaps they saw that and decided they didn't want to follow me after all. But I must just tell you that it was a little bit of a, of a chilling feeling, feeling that Kim Jong-un was reading my tweets. My Twitter page, by the way, in case you, you would like to follow it, is um, at Dr. Carol MD, at 
D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E-M-D. Okay, let's go to Hawaii now. Well, first of all, um, uh, just to uh, tell you the story in case you didn't know the details, uh, on Saturday, this past Saturday, at 8.07 in the morning, their time, an emergency alert went out uh, that said, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. You know, that last sentence really uh, made it worse because in the future, <laughs> that when it says this is not a drill, they won't know whether to believe that or not. And then, not only um, was that a mistake, uh, there was no missile, fortunately, heading towards Hawaii, but um, it took 38 minutes for them to send another text saying that, uh, or an emergency alert, saying that, um, that this was a false alert. So 38 minutes. People in Hawaii have been saying these were the longest 38 minutes in their lives, as you can well imagine. And, you know, think about, um, you know, not only was this a psychologically traumatizing for Hawaii, and I'm going to tell you exactly the ways, but this could, have, this could have started a war. Because if North Korea um, saw that they could have interpreted this false Hawaiian alert as an excuse by America to totally destroy North Korea. In other words, if, I mean, you know, it, it actually could have happened, in fact, that if the White House had seen that, um, and I mean, it's amazing that, it's amazing that nothing did happen, actually, in 38 minutes. I mean, there was something that went up on the, um, on the, on the internet um, sooner than 38 minutes, but saying that it was a false alert, but still, you know, why didn't we react um, if to the first alert, thinking that there was actually a missile coming from North Korea? I mean, it, it actually um, could well have happened that we would have reacted, and then, of course, that North Korea would have re reacted, or North Korea first, for that matter. So this is a very, very, very serious um, event that happened. And yes, we're all thrilled that it wasn't a real missile, but it points out some really scary um, things that an error like this could happen and could actually start a war. So let me tell you about the psychological impact that the false media alert had on people who mostly did not know that it was a false alert for at least 38 minutes. Of course, it caused, it has caused PTSD in a lot of people who were there, the residents and the people visiting in Hawaii. And this would especially be so for people who were there at the time that Pearl Harbor was attacked. They would have had uh, PTSD from that and it would have been triggered by this false alert. Also people who were alive during the Cold War when there was this real threat of nuclear war. Also even just people who were around, this is a lot of people, for 9-11, this would have triggered PTSD. And, of course, for veterans. So all of these people would have been more susceptible to um, this triggering their PTSD. But really, for anyone 
even anyone else who, you know, well, I mean, most of the people, of course, were around for 9-11, but other than that, even people who weren't around for Pearl Harbor or the Cold War um, would, would still be at risk um, for developing PTSD from just this false alert. It created a doomsday panic. In other words, you know, it, it created a sense that, um, that life, their life was going to be over. So it also created anger, anger at the authorities for making them scared to death. Uh, in fact, the authorities have been getting death threats, the um, emergency uh, agency. Um, and, and of course, there's now a distrust in the authorities that uh, just not being believing that they are going to be able to actually depress, to, to actually protect them. It's also going to cause depression because depression is anger directed inwards. Now, the people are angry at the Emergency Management Agency, the Hawaiian Emergency Management Agency, because of this uh, mistake. And um, because they will feel that there's nothing that they can do uh, to the agency, although, as I said, they've been sending death threats, but still, they feel helpless. Um, so they're going to take some of this anger that they feel towards these authorities and stuff it down themselves. And when you do that, when you uh, stuff your anger down, it makes you depressed. Depression is also due to loss. And the people who were there in Hawaii have lost their sense of security. Now, this also had the impact of um, making the North Korean threat suddenly a lot more real. Um, people in Hawaii, as people, other Americans, and in in other parts of America, people in other parts of America, we are all in a um, in a big state of denial for the most part. Uh, I talk about it as cognitive dissonance, where um, we, you know, on the one hand, we intellectually understand that there are radical Islamist terrorists, that there is this threat, nuclear threat in North Korea, and so on. We realize this intellectually, but emotionally, we try to pretend to ourselves that this is really not going to kill us. Um, so now, this uh, event, this false alert, even though it was false, especially these 38 minutes, made this, broke through their denial and made them realize, you know, this could happen. You know, what if it made them feel during those 38 minutes as if it was really happening? And that feeling is going to stay with them. Now, there are stories about, um, like, families where they took their children into the bathtub uh, to, uh, to, you know, they all sort of gathered together in the bathtub and were hugging them and so on. And, um, they, and the, like in one example, a little girl asked her father, is, are we in a war? And her father said yes. Now, that memory of her and all the other kids, who there were kids who were put in a manhole, at least one child, a parent put the child in a man, under, you know, opened up the manhole and put the child in. I mean, because the idea is to take cover in something as strong that will strongly um, uh, keep out the rays and the heat and so on. So, um, so these are these memories will be particularly devastating and leave scars in children. Uh, now, also, what's going to be happening is this boy who cried wolf phenomenon, where people won't know whether to believe subsequent alerts, um, 
because you know they'll want to think that it's another false alarm and they won't want to take cover they won't want to believe that it actually is a missile uh, there are a lot of unanswered questions that the people still have you know how did the alert um, how did it happen I mean you know yes they said someone pushed the wrong button well <laughs> you know that is not a good enough explanation. Someone pushed the wrong button. I mean, really, in this, <laughs> in 2018, we have things that can happen just by someone pushing the wrong button. I mean, things that serious. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. So, um, you know, so there, there, there are a lot of questions that the government, that the emergency agency are not really answering well. They also want to know what's up with the button pusher. I certainly want to know that. So far, I have not found his name. I mean, I think they're, they're hiding uh, the name of the button pusher because, because I, I mean, I think they're probably afraid that people will, uh, will kill him, you know, or um, I mean, if the agency has been getting death threats, uh, there are a lot of people who, if they found out who the button pusher was, um, I, you know, not a lot of people would kill him, but he, he would be in for a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of, you know, who knows what from the people who are so outraged that this happened. Now, I want to know, I mean, he, all, we, all I know so far is that he's been working for the agency for 10 years and that he was, it's not fired, but he was reassigned to some other job in the emergency system. Now, I want to make it clear, he should be fired. There is no question, but he should be fired. Um, if, if one is going to reassign him to somewhere, he should be reassigned to some other department that has nothing to do with the emergency agency and nothing to do with buttons. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I ask myself, I'm sure you're probably asking yourself, why did this happen? Now, I know we've heard the story. Uh, you probably have heard it too about how this was a change of shifts and things were a little chaotic and there were two buttons and he was testing the buttons and he was supposed to push the other, I mean, this sounds so stupid. He was supposed to push the other button, but instead he pushed the button that was live that really sent the alert out. I mean, none of this is a, a good enough excuse. So what's up with him? Is he malevolent? I'm assuming it's a him, it's interesting. Um, perhaps it was a she. It was the button pusher malevolent? Was he, uh, I'm going to just say, were they doing it because, um, you know, they, they purposely wanted to do this? Was the person a terrorist? And, um, you know, that this, this was, again, on purpose? Were they poorly trained? Were they on drugs? Were they not intellectually or emotionally capable of handling the job? I mean, that's obviously this last part has to be yes, because they wouldn't have made a mistake if they were capable of handling the job. Um, the one good thing that has come out of this is that people are now thinking more about the fact that they need to make plans for when, if and when this does happen in the future. So, um, you know, one of the things that people need to do is to, to keep a 14-day survival kit uh, of food and water because um, not only take shelter, that's the emergency, you know, first thing, but then hopefully you can take shelter in a place where you have your emergency kit. Um, 
let me see. Well, I want to talk about Japan too. Um, Japan, you know, and again, this is why I tweeted this, that it kind of makes you wonder, uh, three days after the Hawaiian first false alarm, there then is a, a false alarm in Japan. I mean, come on, I know, I know some of you are going to be thinking this is a conspiracy theory and I'm paranoid, but, yeah, maybe I am, but, um, but it does kind of make you wonder, like, how would this happen three days later in Japan? I mean, yes, the Hawaii and Japan are both in the range, the firing range of North Korea. So, of course, those, you know, that's why those two countries were the ones involved uh, and have an alert system to begin with. But you kind of got to wonder if um, maybe this was planned um, and that Kim Jong-un did this either to create terror without having to use his missiles, and maybe in fact his missiles can't actually at this point reach with a, with a nuclear warhead, can't reach Hawaii or Japan yet, but um, if he has people in those places pushing out, sending out the false alarms, and with people not knowing that they're false alarms, he's creating terror without having to waste his uh, missile. So you just, I mean, I hope these, I mean, it's pro that's probably not the case, but I just hope that people in Hawaii and Japan are looking into all these angles, or at least that the FCC for Hawaii um, is looking into that angle, because to me, it just seems like too much of a coincidence. Two stupid people <laughs> doing the same stupid mistake within three days? I mean, what? Did the guy in Hawaii think, huh, that's cool? The guy, I mean, the guy in Japan, did he think... What? That's cool. The guy in Hawaii, you know, got a lot of attention. I mean, not great attention. He probably has to leave Hawaii to save his life. But, but you know, I mean, it's just like, was this a copycat thing? I mean, just like terrorists do, you know, where uh, if one terrorist gets a lot of attention for an attack, then another terrorist thinks, huh, that's cool. I think I'm going to do an attack and get all this media attention on me. These things are not beyond, they are not that crazy. They are not that implausible. Of course, we hope that it's not true. But as I said, I just hope that this, is, this possibility is being investigated. So in Japan, um, three days later, um, there was a broad, public broadcaster that sent out the false alert. Um, and the false alert said, North Korea appears to have launched a missile the government urge, urges people to take shelter inside buildings or underground. Underground. Now, it's, it's interesting. They have a slightly different take on, um, you know, it's, I don't know what, um, appears to have launched a missile. I love it. <laughs> so, so should we appear to take cover? I mean, come on. Uh, and then the government urges people, you know, um, to take shelter. All right, so this happened uh, just before 7 in the evening in Japan. And now in Japan, at least, it was corrected less than 10 minutes later, not Hawaii's 38 minutes. So, um, and then, uh, then there was another, there was a, a push notification. Oh, well, that, that was, okay. So, um, let me see whether there's anything else I wanted to tell you about Hawaii. I mean, I think I'm kind of, I think I kind of made the point, you know, that um, if, if, if we, even if we don't live, I mean, I'm sure you're thinking this. I know what you're thinking, that um, even if you don't live in Hawaii, 
or Japan, it, it, this is a dangerous situation for all of us because it makes us wonder who is in charge of pushing the buttons where we live, number one, and uh, to warn us of an attack. And number two, the fact that this could have happened so easily in two places within a week, which at either one of those places could have actually um, induced working on false information unknowingly induced either the United States or North Korea to actually make it a real missile strike uh, on, on each of those countries, the, the United States sending off missiles to hit North Korea and North Korea sending off missiles to hit the United States and or Japan. So this is serious stuff. And what bothers me the most is how unseriously, so to speak, um, the governments in Hawaii and in Japan seem to be taking this, at least from all the reports, particularly Hawaii, because, you know, we have a better sense of what's going on there. And even just the fact that they didn't fire the button pusher uh, in Hawaii is enough to um, really well, make my blood boil. I don't know, I don't know what your blood is doing, but uh, mine is boiling about it because uh, this is, should not be tolerated. And obviously another aspect is that there should be better screening for people who um, get the jobs of button pushers to send out the alert systems. Well, I, we, we all need to call for um, this to happen and to stay on top of this and to not let it just be an oops uh, in the thinking and the acting of the governments, especially in Hawaii <laughs> uh, and in Japan as well, but we have a little more control um, to see what's happening in Hawaii. Well, with that, I will say goodbye. Um, I want you to, um, to, I want to give you some websites for you to be able to find out more information. First of all, my terrorist therapist website, um, which... <laughs> <laughs> which still needs to be more updated, but there are, <laughs> there are things on there that you will find interesting. Um, I have been preparing, my, my book has just won, a, um, my book, uh, my new children's book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, has just won an award for a children's book at the London Book Festival. And so um, I have been preparing to go to London to get the award and to do book signings and, and um, book readings uh, at bookstores and tea shops in London. And I'm going to be going to Manchester uh, and donating some books there because, of, of course, the Ariana Grande concert um, that uh, left the people of Manchester devastated, just like the attacks in London, of course, left the people devastated. Um, and so I'm going to both places and um, trying to help families cope with terrorism. And if you'd like to, the book is sold, you know, wherever books are sold, bookstores, brick and mortar bookstores, independent bookstores, Barnes and Noble, um, on the internet, and from my publisher's website, and that is www.terrorism4kids, uh, terrorism, the number four, kids.com. And as I was starting to say, my website is terroristtherapist.com, www.terroristtherapist.com. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. 
I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.